for the blood of Jesus on today. God, I plead the blood over every individual that's in this house. God, I don't plead the blood just to plead it, but I plead it, God, because I have a right to plead it because I know what the blood has done. So we thank you for the blood of Jesus on today. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you, Father God, that we have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. So we thank you on this morning that you shall get all the glory. You shall get all the honor and all the praise. And Father, I thank you in advance for what you have already done. For each individual in this place, I thank you, God, that we're already the healed of the Lord. We're not waiting on our healing, God. Healing is already here. So, God, we thank you for what we have already have because you have already given it unto us on today. So from the top of our heads to the soles of our feet, God, I speak healing right now in the name of Jesus. God, I come against pain that's in the body right now in Jesus' name. And I command pain to go right now. I command stiffness in joints to go right now in the name of Jesus. God, I come against migraines in Jesus' name. I command them to go. I come against sinus infections in Jesus' name. I command it to go. I come against allergies right now in Jesus' name. And I command it to go in Jesus' name. God, I come against tumors and growths and cancer right now in Jesus' name. And I command it to go right now in Jesus' name. I come against arthritis right now in the name of Jesus. I command it to go right now in Jesus' name. God, I come against back problems, God, right now in the name of Jesus. And God, we thank you, God. We thank you that it's already done in Jesus' name. We honor you and glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles to 1 John, the fourth chapter. 1 John, the fourth chapter. And I want to begin at verse 7. First John, the fourth chapter, and it's close to the end of the Bible. Amen. Hallelujah. First John, the fourth chapter, and I'm beginning at verse seven. The word of God reads, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. And this was manifested, the love of God towards us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also to love one another. No man have seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. I want to talk about, I want to continue what was started during the funeral on Friday. I want to talk about God is love. Amen? God is love. 
And when we know that God is love and when we know that God love us, we can love one another. We have so much that's going on in the world, so many things that's going on between Christians, going on with families and this, that, or the other. But when we know that God is love and we spend time with God because he is love and we experience that love, we should want to experience that love with one another. We shouldn't have to get offended so quick. See, love don't get offended. Uh, quick love don't hate love just love in spite of people and when we say that we're in him and he dwelleth in us we can't say we love God and don't love our brother or our sister we can't be um, in the midst of devotion with him and telling him oh how I love you but we got a grudge against someone and we know that we're holding that grudge in our heart Y'all, there's so much that's going on around us and in the midst of us. We can put on a smile and we can act like everything is okay. But deep down on the inside, we know it's not okay. But when you spend that time with God and you get to know him, you're getting to know love. And ain't no way that you can spend time with God and have hate in your heart. There's no way you can spend time with God and have unforgiveness in your heart. There's no way you can spend time with, with God and hold grudges because God is love. So the thing that I have learned, the more I get into the word of God and the more I meditate on his love, it helps me to check myself first and foremost to see where I am with the love of God. And sometimes we think that we're loving the way that we need to love. But if we're not loving God's way, we're not loving and one thing that I love so much about God is God gave us his love so we could love. The Bible said he shed abroad his love in our heart through the Holy Ghost. So nobody in this room can love the way they need to love without God's love. And even being saved and born again, having his love, if you don't know him who is love, you still won't be able to love. Um, when I was doing the funeral, the Lord had given me this. If you love right, you can live right. So if you love right, you can live right. And some of us ain't loving right, and that's why we ain't living right. You can say whatever you want. Because when you have the love of God in you, you don't walk past a brother or sister in need. You don't just keep talking a brother or sister down because of something they've done or shoulda, coulda, have done. You don't make that person look bad so you can look good. Come on, that ain't God's love. God's love, love in spite of what a person is doing or what a person have done. Y'all, the Holy Ghost is getting stirred up up here, so I'm just continuing to wait on him because I know God is doing some new things amongst Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministry. You will get tested with God's love on a daily basis some of us haven't been through it because sometimes we turn away from folks not to deal with folks so you don't even know how to love with God's love because you rather not deal with them so you can love them that ain't God's kind of love see the Bible tells me that love suffers long and then after that it says it is kind that's that's God's characteristic being that God is love, he suffered long with us. He was not slack concerning his promises when it came to our salvation, but he was long-suffering. God didn't want anybody to perish. God wanted everybody to come to everlasting life. So he was long-suffering. 
Do you know what long-suffering is? Long-suffering is, I'm using Teresa Waddell for example, if she get on my nerves on Monday and she's still getting on my nerves on Tuesday and all through the week, I'm going to be long-suffering. I'm going to be kind to her. Though I done told her the same thing over and over and over again and she's still doing opposite of what she was told, I'm going to be so long-suffering and so patient with her and so kind that she know it's no longer I who live but it's Christ who lives in me can I get a witness that means you got to be long suffering when you don't want to be long suffering you got to be long suffering to the ones that's always begging from Peter to pay Paul always the ones that never have enough you got to be so long suffering and kind that they see so much God in you now that don't mean that you don't tell them the truth but you be long suffering In every situation in our lives, God has given us patience. Because if we're in him and he's in us, you have some long suffering. How do I know? Because it is the fruit of the spirit. But the problem is we don't let that fruit come out because we choose not to let it come out. God has given you a choice. He's not going to make you love nobody. You have a choice. He has given you what you need to do what you need to do on this earth. How do I know? Jesus was long-suffering on the earth. He walked the earth. He went through some difficult situations. Jesus was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was persecuted. He was talked about. Everything you going through now, Jesus already went through it. Everything you haven't been through, Jesus already went through it because he was long-suffering and kind. But we're getting to the point of we don't want to deal with nobody. I'd rather not deal with them because if I got to deal with them, I'm going to kill them. That ain't long-suffering. I done told you once. I done told you twice. I ain't telling you no more. Are you stupid or what? That ain't long-suffering. That ain't being kind. We're supposed to show God characteristics. We don't supposed to be showing how we feel. Because the Bible tells me, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He didn't go on how he felt about his son. He went on the love that he had for you and me. He loved the world even when the world wasn't lovable, y'all. The Bible said he demonstrated his love even yet while we were sinners. He laid down his life for us. You were in your mess. So that tells me he was long-suffering. And he said, I'm not going on how I feel. I'm going on the love that I have for you. He is long-suffering. He is kind. And this is what God wants us to be towards one another. We get tired sometimes, amen? I get tired sometimes of dealing and seeing the same stuff over and over again. But when I'm reminded of God's love, when I'm reminded of what he done for me, I'm saying, who am I not to do for somebody else? You can't listen to a Christian who say they are Christian telling you not to do something for somebody when you know what the word tells you to do. The word says, love those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Do it feel good to love your enemy? No, it don't feel good, but you do it because the word commands you to do it. You do it out of obedience unto God, not based on how you feel or what they done to you or when they done it to you. I don't know about y'all, but I've been so hurt in situations 
that when I cried out to God and said, God, how can I love this person the way I need to love this person? And this person hate me so bad for no reason. How can I do it? And then God would remind me, I loved you. When you was in your mess, what you did ain't no different from what they done. It may look a little bigger than what you done, but sin is still sin. So I had to let that marinate in me. Have y'all ever put a steak in the oven? And before you put it in the oven, you let it marinate all night. With those seasons on it and everything. And you know when you put that thing in that oven, it's going to be right. When you get ready to eat it, it's going to be so tender because you let it sit for a while. That's what you got to do. When it comes to the word of God, when you got situations in your life going through with people, people will make you, I'm telling you, they will make you check yourself. They will make you know that you know that you know whether or not you know him. Ah, Come on, can you get a witness? Ain't nobody in here so saved that they don't mess up. But when you mess up. And the Holy Spirit began to convict you of righteousness, of who you are, now that you're in him. And he began to convict you of the love of God and letting you know that God loves you in spite of you. Then you begin to change. But so many people are so stubborn. They want people to bow down to them first. God love bow down to you even before you bow down. So we got a problem in the body of Christ. The problem is it ain't about you. It's about what he done for you because you couldn't do it for yourself. God could not find a man nor a woman to die for us because everybody was in sin. They were sinners. So he had to come out of heaven and lay down his life for us. The Bible said, for God so loved the world. He loved us so much. That he said he wanted all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And I want to stop right there to remind you of this. You don't pick and choose who you want to minister to. Because the Bible says he wants all men to be saved. I don't care how dirty they are. I don't care what they did or how they did it. You don't pick and choose who should go to heaven or who should go to hell. Jesus didn't pick and choose. The Bible says he had no respectable person. He don't show favoritism. Guess what? The sun set on evil and on good. God reigned on the just as well as the unjust. That means he had no respectable person. So quit picking who should go to heaven and who should go to hell or saying just let them go to hell. That's where they want to go. That is not the love of God. We don't pick and choose. Because Jesus already made the way for us, y'all. I have learned even through this teaching of love, because every time I go back through this teaching dealing with love, y'all, I'm telling you, something just turns in me. It just turns in me, and it gives me so much joy to know I can love the way God loves in spite of how people do or how they act. Even if they don't show me love, I should be showing them God's love. I should be showing them the way that God would do things outside of their manipulation. I want them to see God's love. I want them to know you ain't getting over on me. You getting over on God. So I'm going to love you outside of you. I know what you did and how you did it, but it don't matter because he saved you just like he saved me. God's love never changed. His love is unconditional. His love is agape love. So he said he loved this world so much that he gave his only begotten son 
that whosoever, y'all get that? Whosoever, he didn't have no respectable person. He said, whosoever believeth on him shall not perish. That perish mean he didn't want nobody to live in hell for eternity, but they shall have everlasting life. This is the part of the verse that we missed. When he say perish, we know that's talking about hell. He don't want nobody destroyed. Do you know that you, if you don't accept Jesus, you burn forever. That's eternity. You can have eternity in hell or you can have eternity in heaven. And people are looking at it as if that they okay. You're not okay. That's why Jesus laid down his life for you so you can have everlasting life. Everlasting life is a life that never ends. And it starts here on earth, y'all. You don't wait to go to heaven to have everlasting life. The moment you accept Jesus, you have everlasting life. A life that never ends because it is in your spirit. So this is why we should be focusing on those that are lost. If you know that you are making it in, you got people around you that's lost that feel like they're not lost. But Jesus, he came and he preached the good news concerning the kingdom. He told them all about the kingdom and by him telling them all about the kingdom, they wanted to be a part of this kingdom. And the only way they could be a part of the kingdom was accepting him as their savior and Lord. They knew a Messiah was coming, but they thought that he was going to build the kingdom here on earth. He thought that he was going to rule and reign right now. Jesus said, no, the first step is, is accepting me, the one that God has sent. I'm bringing the kingdom to you. Yes, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. But right now, God wants his kingdom to come on earth now so jesus loved them in spite of them look at the prostitutes that jesus met look at the ones that had demons jesus loved them in spite of what they had or what they did that is god's kind of love but why did god really save us we knew that sin was in the world God saved us, yes, from sin. He done away with sin. But the real reason is God wanted a relationship with us. And God could not have that relationship because sin was separating us from coming to our loving father. We were his children, but sin came in and separated. So God knew sin had to be dealt with so we can come into a relationship with him. In St. John chapter 17, when Jesus was praying to the Father, go to St. John 17, verse 3. The word of God says in 17, 3, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. Look what eternal life is. Eternal life is to know God and Jesus Christ whom he sent. That's a relationship that know there is intimacy, just like Adam knew Eve. They became intimate and then their children were born because they were married. They were one. So he's saying that this is eternal life, a life that never ends, that you may know God and Jesus whom he has sent. God wants you to have such a relationship with him. That you come to know him so intimately as your loving father, 
as a father who sees, a father who knows, as a father who's already made the way for you out of no way. He wants you to see him as so much of a loving father that whatever come up in your life, you saying, Daddy, you love me. Daddy, you already taking care of that situation for me even before this situation came. That's just how much you love me. You prepared me even for this situation. God is so good to us, y'all. He's, he's beyond good because everything that he does, he does it so well. Before you even came into this world, God knew what your life was going to be like. Your life was already written. So here we are not depending on a loving God. We're depending on other people to fix things in our lives. My husband, yes, I love him, but he can't fix it like God can. He can't do to me like God can do to me because he may change when I make him mad. <laughs> But God will never change. No matter what I do, God is unchangeable. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. God change not. Because that's what love does. Love does not change. Love suffers long. Love is kind. And he reminded me, again, of the four types of love. We know the one, the main one is agape. Agape don't change, y'all. Agape always stays the same. No matter what you do, that's God's kind of love. Agape don't go on feeling. It don't go on how you feel. Agape do because the words say that's what you're supposed to do. We're getting it mixed up. If they apologize, I'll apologize. If they love me, I'll love them. Have you ever heard this saying, I like you, but I don't love you. This is what some Christian folks say, I like you. But I don't love you. Well, evidently, you don't know the love of God. Evidently, you have not experienced the love of God. Evidently, you really don't know God. Evidently, you really haven't accepted him with your whole heart because you can't like a person and don't love a person. That, is, that don't add up with what the word of God is saying. Remember, agape don't go on feeling. I have so many people that I have counseled that when a person have hurt them, they ain't ready to let it go yet. Who are you? Jesus let go even when you was in your mess. So that tells me where you've been in the word of God. I ain't ready to let go of that yet. They done me wrong. They cheated on me. They done this to me. They done that to me. If they loved me, they wouldn't have done this. But the love of God that's in you will look past what they done. And even if you decide to leave them, you still got to love them. Can't be no flip-flop with God. Come on, y'all. We got to get it right. We got to get to know God's love. Oh, I'm going to do you like you done me. Love don't take revenge. Love don't do what you did and then don't make you feel good after you done it. Oh, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. You do it, you just been God. What kind of love is that? No. The reason why you getting them back because you don't want to look belittled. You don't want to look like you didn't do something. That's a form of pride. So we see that agape don't change, y'all. Agape love in spite of how you feel. All of us have been in situations where we just get tired of people mess. And it's so funny. We get tired of people mess. We run our mouth and say what we're not going to do. But at the end of the day, when you take time out with God, you end up doing what you say you ain't going to do. Come on, can I get away? I know I do. I don't know about you, 
They can complain, they can mumber, they can talk about you, they can still do the same mess, but when things are going on with them and you spending time with God and God begin to deal with you, everything that you said done went out the window and you got to go back and apologize and say, you know what, I wasn't right for what I said. That's not the way God, would. that's what God wants you to do. He wants you to see yourself through situations. He wants you to put yourself in their place doing situations. I'm telling you, everybody in this place needs somebody. You were not placed on this earth by yourself. God even gave me and you a helpmate to help you. He didn't even leave you alone. Some of you will be eunuchs. You ain't going to have no wife, but that's God's plan for you, not your plan. That don't mean you're gay. That just means God know that you ain't going to have a helpmate in this time. But me and God gave you a helpmate to help you along the way. But we got some stubborn men that tell women, you ain't going to tell me what to do. If they're helping you, let them help you. They are a helpmate. I'm the priest. I do everything. Well, since you do everything, go cut that grass. I'm priest. Well, since you priest, pay the bills. I'm priest. Well, since you priest, quit watching TV all day. Do what you're supposed to do. Are you in the word? You hollering priest. Do you know what the priest did? Priest was in the temple and they were waiting on the temple. They weren't lazy. They stood and they didn't sit. But because of Jesus, you can sit on your lazy behind. But ain't no way you can be lazy. If you know him and you know his love, you got to get up and do something. You can't have your wife doing everything and you hollering priests in the house. Don't want to do nothing but lay there, fix my plate, wear my clothes. Come on, God doing something in the place. Then it's the opposite sometimes. You got women, Jezebels. In the home, got the husband cooking, got the husband cleaning, got the husband buying your underwear, got the husband doing everything for you, and you don't want to do nothing but let him do for you because you think you all of this in a bag of chips. I'm here to tell you I'm cutting you down today with the word because love don't act like that from God. Love helps one another. Love don't have everybody waiting on you. That's pride. You willing to help out. You in a relationship where you are together in that relationship. Uh-huh. Anyway, see if all this is told before people get married and they go through this course dealing with love, they wouldn't get married so quick to go in the bedroom which they already been in. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so quiet in here. You can't hide from God. God know what you're doing, dipping and tripping. And then get in church. We should love one another. Agape love don't change. It stays the same. It don't go on feeling. Because if I went on feeling when me and my husband got in little spats, who I hate him. I'm telling you the honest God truth. But because of God's love, how many know women, nobody can make you madder than a mate? Help me somebody. Y'all, y'all scared to say something? <laughs> Nobody can make you madder than a mate. You know why? Because you spend so much time with that mate. And you have come to know one another. 
And you're thinking you should know me better than that to cut me down like that. You should know me better than that to say what you said. And all of a sudden, a scar begin to come in your heart against that mate. And if you don't change that through the word of God, you become bitter with that mate. The devil sends somebody else to make you feel better than your mate. Now you're sleeping with them because you didn't deal with that scar. You didn't deal with that hurt. See, God's love, it doesn't change. In spite of what a mate does, in spite of what children do, in spite of what your boss do, in spite of what happens around you, agape love never change. Some people say, I can love him from a a distance. Y'all, we use that too, don't we? But sometimes God wants you to be around that person for them to know God's love so they'll know that person has changed. Even though I'm treating them the way I'm treating them, they still loving me. And that's what turned that person to God instead of turning them away from God. Yes, sometimes we have to love from a distance. Thank you, Holy Ghost. And this is why he's saying this. Because you ain't ready yet to love being in front of that person. So you got to get yourself right to love from a distance before you love up close. Because you know you can't tolerate that person. You'd rather not deal with that person. But when you get to know agape, think about it. Agape dealt with us. Dealt with everything that each and every one of us would even try to do or even think about doing. God still loved us because he knew our thoughts from afar off. Even when we say, God, I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that no more, God. I ain't going to lie no more, God. I shouldn't have told that lie. God said, you know what? I've already forgiven you for the next lie. Because you're going to lie again. I already know what you're going to do. But God forgave us for that. For past, present, and future. We have to really check ourselves, y'all, before we check anyone else. I have learned, even with the remodeling of this church, I have been doing some checkity checks, some check, check, checks. Because when you're dealing with people, and some people that don't speak English, and some people that know what they're doing and should not be doing it, Y'all, you have to spend time with God because you don't want them to see God as being a vicious person, a hateful person. You want them to see God as being a loving person. Do we get frustrated sometimes? Oh, yes, we do. When things don't go right, we get frustrated and our tone began to change because of our frustration. Don't tell me your tone don't change and don't tell me you speaking with the authority of God because when God speak with authority, it's love because he speak truth and love. But when you speaking with authority, you speaking through anger because you tired. Don't put God in your mess. Because when you speak truth in love, people will accept that truth because they hear love coming from that truth. But when you're getting aggressive and saying, well, this is what you do. God gave me Holy Ghost boldness. He didn't give you that kind. He gave you the kind that love people in spite of what they say, in spite of what they've done. The kind of love that God gives y'all, it will make you apologize if they don't even recognize what you've done. you going back and say, you know what? I should not have said that. And that tone. It's no excuse. But what do we do? I'm going to tell you something. Oh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in this. I got to get in this. Thank God for the ones who showed up. 
Because guess what? You showed up today for a reason. Because normally when it's raining and stuff out there, people choose to stay home on God. They don't come into the house, but he knew who needed to be in this house to hear what God has to say today. Because that's just how much God loved you. You didn't feel like coming up in here today, but you came. Because the Bible says you don't forsake the fellowship. Come on, they're assembling together one with the, you are obedient. That's God's love. Oh, come on, y'all. God's love don't keep you home. You can't stay home and you got God's love in you. But when you do stay home, you find excuses. I tired. I worked all week. You couldn't have worked not unless you had God to help you to do it. Then we fall down on God. Oh, God will understand. When you get to know his love, you want to take time out and be wherever God is. And we know he's everywhere. We want to take time out and fellowship. Y'all, ain't it good? Go back to John 3, 16. The Bible said that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, we know that's the agape love, amen? Because God is love. He looked beyond our faults, y'all. And God saw our need. So if he can look beyond our faults, can we look beyond other people's faults? Y'all, right now, I'm going to be honest with you. The altar should be full with people on their face and saying, Lord, you speaking to me today. Because I look at it like this. We can say what Renee done, but we done something too. We can always give an opinion on what somebody else should or could have done, but what could you have done? We can always say this person ain't right in one area, but it's an area you ain't right in either. So guess what? Y'all, if we remember these things, we wouldn't say nothing. Before we open our mouth, we could say, wait a minute. Mm, that is right. They got fault, but I got some of my own. We just have to work this out together. That's loving one another. Why is it that we think we always right? Because all of us still got some pride in us. Don't tell me you don't. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You got some pride in you. Just like me, I got some pride in me. Because sometimes we don't want to come down. We don't want to listen no more. That's pride. Because when you right, you become wrong. You humble yourself in spite of you being right. That's when the love of God is coming out of you. You don't have to even explain yourself how you did it, when you did it, or why you done to what you did. If you did it unto the Lord, there is no explanation. You don't need to explain him to nobody. You just need to be obedient to what he said. Why do we explain ourselves to people? Because pride. Because we don't want people to think we don't know what God said. That's pride. And the Bible said God resisted the proud, but he gave grace unto the humble. Have y'all ever been in a situation where this person has made you mad and you come back at this person and the person say, I thought you were saved. Ooh, that make you even madder. Now you're trying to prove that you saved. You don't have to prove nothing. If you know who you are, you just hush. You don't have to prove nothing. You just go on about your business. See, pride will make you prove yourself. Pride will make you make somebody look bad so you can look good. See, some rejection is in that too. 
God's love don't do that, y'all. Then we have a love which we call storge love. That's a family love. Where we have a bond with husband, wife, um, mother and father and sister and brother and cousin. That's like a family love, a storge love, where you bond it. And I'll give you an example of that. In a family, and you have siblings, and you go to school, and it's like, when somebody's messing with that sibling, messing with your sister or brother, you like, you don't mess with them, you don't mess with me. And they don't even have to be there because that's a love that you have for that family member, amen? See, that's a storgy love. You bond it. And even with that person not being there, you're ready to fight for that person even though that person is not there because you have that bond, you have that storge, that family love because it's there. I remember an incident when I was in school. It was my 12th grade year. And it was this girl that was dating a guy that liked my sister. My sister was out of school at that point. And I'm walking down the hall, and the girl was talking junk to my cousin. And I'm telling my cousin, I said, come on, you ain't got time for that. They ain't even worth all that. Let's just go to class. Next thing I know, she got in my face and said, that's why I'm dating your sister boyfriend. He want me. Why? Did she bother me that day? I went on her, and they called me in the, See, I was quiet. What in the name? I went in the office peacefully. Counselor, they said I need some counseling. I don't need no counseling. She started it. You don't mess with my sister, and she ain't here to defend herself. So I'm going to defend. Jeremy looking at me like, Mama? Yes, baby. Mama. But I was going on her because you don't mess with my, that's that storgy love because my emotions, come on, y'all done been there. My emotions got, was risen up and I said, nah, you don't mess with my sister because she ain't here. That's that bonding love that you have. And even for a parent with the child, y'all know how it is. You know that your child was wrong when they call you. You know how manipulative your child is. So when they call you into the principal's office and tell you what your child done, you look at that principal and say, no, my child didn't. How you know they didn't do it? You already know what your child do and don't do, right, Jeremy? You already know what they do. But when you come to know the love of God, the agape love, you look at both sides. And you will say, yes, my son, he does do this and he does do that. But let's see what happened in this situation. I'm not going to accuse him and I'm not going to accuse him. Let's see what happened. See, because everybody has something going on in their lives. But storage is a bond that you have together as a family. But how many know, even with storage, when your mama and daddy do something to hurt you, and you meditate on that hurt that mother or father, dad has done to you, you begin to hate them. Deep down inside, you begin to hate your mother and father for something that they done to you because you felt like they shouldn't have done what they done. And if you don't deal with that, you put up a wall, even with your mother and father. You put up a wall, even with your sister and brother. This is proven in the word of God. When we deal with Joseph and his brothers, they said that the father loved Joseph more than he loved them. But the Bible said that he loved Joseph because he was a son of his old age. And he gave him a coat of many colors. But what you have to understand in a family, God has someone in that family that he has chosen to do a work that he has not chosen you to do. 
And if that mother or father see that chosen one in that family, they're going to um, protect that chosen one because they know that God is going to do a work even in them. That don't mean that they love them more, love, love you more, love them more than they love you. But they're doing what they do because of the work that God has for that sibling to do. So look what Storgy did. Storgy tried to kill their own brother. Why? Because there was jealousy there. They were jealous. They began to hate Joseph. It's some jealousy in families between brothers and sisters. And the reason why this jealousy started is it is because sometimes a mother and a father, they do show more favoritism through another for another sibling than they do another. Because sometimes they brag on one more than they brag on the other. See, when you know God's kind of love, you got to know that God created all of us, but he may have created this person a little different from this person, but we're supposed to love them the same. We're supposed to take the time to tell our children, yes, you are brothers and sisters. Yes, you are sisters. But that don't mean y'all going to have the same way of doing things. Even though we're raising you the same way, your career might be different from her career or his career. But we have to take the time to love them, to let them know the difference. Because if you don't, rejection is going to come in the house between siblings and they're going to going to be fights there's going to be people talking sisters and brothers talking about each other don't want to have nothing to do with each other oh here she come come on this is happening that's and this is happening with christians the ones that are saved that they say they know jesus they don't want a certain person coming in the house because they ain't going to do nothing but run their mouth they ain't going to do nothing but tell you what you ain't doing you ain't my mama but that's your demeanor that's how God made you. And when you know how God has made a person, you have to say, God, with your love, show me how to deal with that person because I haven't arrived yet. When I see them coming, something comes all over me like slap. Come on. Slap comes all over me. I don't even want them to come. If they're going to be there, I don't even want to be in the midst of them. But what did they do? They tried to kill Joseph because they felt like Joseph was more loved than they were. So they became bitter. They had hatred towards Joseph. They began to talk about Joseph. When they saw him coming from afar off, they began to talk with one another concerning him. They threw him in a pit, y'all. What brother would throw his own brother in a pit? Jealousy did that. The spirit of jealousy. And don't say you wouldn't do it. Because if you allow that spirit of jealousy and hate to ride you, you would do the same thing that they've done, but you may do it in a different way. But we know Joseph's life through everything that his brother's done to him. He went from the pit to prison to the palace. Look at that, three Ps. But guess what? God honored Joseph because even in the midst of what they've done, Joseph still had the love in his heart for his brothers. Come on, did Joseph hurt? Yes, y'all read the story about Joseph. When they come before Joseph and he had to get in a corner by himself and he began to weep because guess what? I believe he was remembering how they left him. But I believe as he began to weep, God was comforting him even in the midst of that. And at the end of everything, when Joseph saved not only his family, when his dad died, when Jacob died, when Israel died, guess what? The brother said, I know now that he's going to really hate us. I'm paraphrasing it. But guess what? Joseph even loved them the more. 
Because he said everything that happened, it was God's will for this to happen. Do I, am I God? Do I stand in the place of God? He showed agape to his brothers because they thought that Joseph was liking them because of the dad. Isn't that something? And some of us think that now, oh, you only tolerate me because of mom and daddy. You only putting up with me because of them. Cut the act. You treat me otherwise, you know, when we're not around them. See, storgy is a love that's a bonded love, but it cannot be agape. Then you have phileo love, a friendship love. And all of us have friends that we deal with and we say, oh, I love you. And, you know, we have so much fun together. But when that fa- friend do you wrong, you begin to hurt and you don't want to have nothing else to do with that friend because you felt like that friend should not have done me that way. I thought you loved me. How can you hurt me? How can you talk about me? Why didn't you come to me? See, that's a friendship love. That kind of love, it changes in situations. But agape don't change when a friend do you wrong. Agape stays the same. Agape is not about feeling. We have an eros love. That eros love is a sexual love between a male and a female when they become married. That should not change. But how many know that change as well? That change when a man feel like he want to go out and be with somebody else. There is a reason for a man wanting to be with somebody else when you have something at home. When you have someone at home or a woman want to be with another man. See, Eros love will change, but guess what? In the end, a man will apologize or a woman apologize, but that man nor that woman can soothe that broken heart. Cannot bind that broken heart or bind up all your wounds from the hurt that you have gone through, through the disappointment, feeling like you didn't want me. You don't love me. If you love me, you wouldn't have been with this one. You wouldn't have been with that one. But through agape love, when you know the love of God, you can love that person outside of what they do. Yes, you can divorce that person, but you still going to love that person the way God would love that person. So that's what agape does, y'all. And God wants us in the church to have this agape love where people know who we belong to. People know who our father is. And when we look at agape love again, it always goes back to agape love. There's so much jealousy amongst people. When you start saying, you know, I praise the Lord for what Renee is doing. I mean, God is doing a great work. Through Renee, I mean, he's really have developed her in some areas. And maybe I'm around Barbara and I'm, you know, giving Renee accolades with Barbara. And, and Barbara in, in, on the inside is saying, well, what about what I do? You ain't said what a great work that I do. You ain't saying how good I do it. So next thing I know, Barbara calls me on the phone and Barbara say, Apostle, I believe I don't want to usher no more. And I'm saying, okay, Barbara, is there a problem? Is something occurred that should not have occurred? Have someone said something that should not have said? No, 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 it's all right. I just believe my time is up. This is an example. This has not happened, and it shall not happen. The reason why I'm doing this is because I'm led by the Holy Spirit. So she don't talk about it at all. She just go on how she feel and what she heard. She feel like she's not appreciated because I was telling her about Renee. So now she ready to sit down because she feel like she's not appreciated. This is what I say in situations like this. Grow up. You're not, you haven't grown up yet. 
Because you should know even the one that's, that's saying what they're saying, they're not trying to make you feel bad. This is why you have to ask the Holy Spirit to help you. And then, and then again, the person who's talking to that person, the Holy Spirit, sometimes will check you and say, don't even say that in front of that person. Because that person ain't ready to hear that. So you still have to hear the Holy Spirit. Love does not change. Agape love does not change, church. And it's time for the church to grow up in God's love. And the only way you can grow up in God's love is to get to know him. And as you get to know him, we wouldn't be backbiting one another. We wouldn't be gossiping about one another. We will shut up even before we say what we're going to say. Out of frustration, we all say a lot of things. But you need to grab hold to what you're saying, and you need to cast it to the ground and say it dies unborn because that's not the way that person is. That's not the way that person is going to be. You're not dealing with that person. You're not dealing with flesh and blood. You're dealing with principalities. You're dealing with powers you of wickedness, high powers, powers that are in dark places. You're not dealing with that person. You got to see beyond that person. Some of us always say, I know. I know. This is what's going to happen. I know. That's a form of pride too. So go to 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is the love chapter. Starting with verse 1. It says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Some of us speak in tongues and some of us speak louder than others. And some of us feel like those tongues make us what we are. But the Bible says without charity is nothing. And though I have the gift of prophecy... And understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I'm nothing. So though you can prophesy, though you have faith to move mountains, you don't have love, you're nothing. It's nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profit me nothing. So y'all got to understand the gifts work by love. Faith works by love. And if you're not operating in love, those gifts are not operating within you. So many people want to operate in the gifts. You want to be a prophet. You want to be an apostle. You want to be an evangelist. You want to be this, that, or the other. But if you have not love, God is not going to allow these gifts to operate in you because you're trying to showboat the gifts. And they're not operating through the love of God. And listen at this. Charity suffers long and is kind. We went over that. Charity envieth not. When you have the love of God in you, you're not envious over what another person do or what another person has. That's not what charity does. That's not the love of God. Charity, vaunt if not itself, is not puffed up. So when we deal with charity, y'all, it, it, does, it's not, it does not have pride in it. It's not puffed up, feeling like you're better than anybody else. Come on, y'all. If we go down this list, we have to check ourselves. Some of us are in these uh, situations right now. We act and puffed up. We act like we're better than anybody else. We don't suffer long. We're not kind. We want to operate in the gifts, but we're not carrying this characteristics of God. And then it goes on to say, it does not behave itself unseemly, seeks not her own, is not easily provoked, and think no evil while. Love is not easily provoked. And love is not selfish. 
That means when something is going on in this house or something is going on in another house where there's a need, we don't become selfish. Let me tell you what selfish look like. Selfish look like you have $20 and somebody else have a need and you say you ain't getting my $20, but you got food in your house, you got gas in your car, so why you need the $20? If God is touching your heart and saying give that $20, you should not look at that $20 more than you look at that need. The Bible says if you see a brother or sister in need or someone in need, you don't just tell them, bless you, when you can fulfill that need. Oh, we quiet, right? You fulfill that need. You don't go on what you budgeted. Your budget change when there's a need. Your savings account change when there's a need. Your bank account change. Uh uh uh. Well, it ain't nothing in my bank account. You got something somewhere. That's what some... See, this is what love does. Love don't be selfish, y'all. Love looks out for the need of somebody else. Love don't justify what you have and what you got to do with it. And it's just me. I'm the only one in the house. Nobody help me. I help myself. You save sanctified person. What is that? That's a form of pride. You becoming puffed up. And guess what happens, y'all? Look how they line this up. Check this out. Does not behave itself unseemly. Seek not our own. You hear that? Seeks not their own. That's selfish, right? Now, when you seek in your own, you're selfish. Guess what you become? Provoked and be thinking evil. Angry. Look how that lined up. When you seek in your own, and people are asking you for something, you become provoked. You become out of your character. You become mean. You become ugly. You go talk to somebody about what they asked you for to get them stirred up because you don't want to look bad by yourself. I know I'm preaching right. That's what people do. They come up with excuses. If you don't want to give nothing, just don't give it. Keep it to yourself. Don't go tell nobody what they need that for. They don't need that. Every time I turn around, they need something. They don't need that. Then you become angry, and then you go home and run your mouth with your husband. And your husband was calm, cool, and collected. Now he's acting unseemly. (laughs) Truth. You done stirred him up. He was all right with it. Then all of a sudden, they think about it and say, I believe that's right, doggone it. How much money we done gave already? Go, 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 go back and look at them books. Mm-hmm, I know I'm talking right. <laughs> rejoice not in iniquity. Do you know some people rejoice when people fall? When people commit adultery, when people lie, when people steal. This is the first thing. That people, I told you. They act like they're happy about it. Because they act like they prophesied. Rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Listen at this one. Bear all things. That means cover all things. Believe all things. Hope all things. Endure all things. This is what love does. Love covers y'all a multitude of sin. Meaning, it don't matter how many times a person sin, love covers that. That's what God does for us. 
Love hopes all things. Love keeps hope alive when it comes to people. Even though they're doing wrong, you still saying no, they're going to get it right. You know, that's how they are now, but I'm believing they're going to get it right. You keeping hope alive. You bearing all things. You enduring all things. Love suffers long, y'all. Are y'all learning something? Because I'm learning a lot, even through teaching you, even through going in here myself. And I'm saying, well, God, put it before me. Let me see if I ain't suffered long enough. <laughs> Let me see what I should have done or what I could have done. Because, y'all, we always see people. Once we get over a hump, we expect people to be where we are. It don't happen like that. They have to go through things, too. The only thing you can do is tell them. And once you tell them you've done what you're supposed to do, you can't keep beating them over. The Love don't keep beating them up, making them think they ain't going to make it, making them think that they mess up all the time. That's not what love does. Yes, a person did hurt you. All of us in this room has been hurt by someone that we fell in love with. People say, I ain't fell in love with nobody. Yes, you did, because if they leave your behind, you're going to hurt. Love hurts doesn't it? Those other three kind of loves, they do hurt, right? Agape, he did hurt, but he didn't go on to hurt. So you can't say, I don't love a person, because the more time you spend with that person, you come to know that person, and you begin to love that person. And when that person say something to you out the way, you hurt, because you say, I can't believe they done me that way. This is why you got to know we're human. So that's why we have to forgive. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to forgive, what, 70 times, seven times a day? Y'all, that's a lot of forgiving, isn't it? But we do what the word tells us to do. You done messed up again? Help me, Holy Ghost. You done done the same? Oh, help me, Holy Help me. I need some help. And he will help you. He will show you how to deal with that person. Love suffers long and love is kind. This is who God is. And this is who we supposed to be. Yes, you can do it. You have a choice. The choice is yours. God is not going to make you love nobody. So quit praying to God and say, God, can you love them for me? No, I can love them through you. Because my love is in you. And you have a choice whether or not you want to love them or not. You know, everybody have issues. I say this all the time. All of us have issues. Your issue may not be like mine, but we have issues. But it's how we deal with those issues. It may be an area that I'm good in and my husband is not good in that area. But I help my husband with the area he's not good in. That's love. He helped me with the area I'm not good in. You don't get frustrated. I remember my husband used to come home with some corny jokes. That's what I call them. And I could never catch hold of those corny jokes. And my husband would literally get upset with me. Manda, anybody should know that. And I'm like, man, why you getting mad? Because I ain't caught on to that corny mess. So we start an argument because it was corny. And I didn't catch it the way I should have kept. Is that true, honey? See? And then I get mad at him. And he mad at me. And there go anger in the house. Over a corny joke. Come on, y'all done had this to happen to you. Acting like people, act like you don't go through something. We all go through something. And then my issue with him may be, he may ask me something. I'm like, huh? Say it again. 
Say it again. And I get mad at him because he ain't say it like I want him to say it. So we all go through issues, y'all, like the toothpick issue. I got mad because he picked his teeth the wrong way. And the Lord told me it ain't him with the toothpick, it's you. So I had to go back in and say, okay, what frustrate me so with this man picking his teeth? Lord, help me. I got over the salt issue. Y'all better wait to get married. Because if you ain't got Jesus in a marriage, you will literally try to kill somebody with your mouth. So being that I knew Jesus and I didn't want to be the way I was, I had to seek him with the toothpick, with the salt, and I'm pretty sure my husband sought him a lot with me. But the whole point of the matter is love will change you. Love will help you put up with some stuff that you didn't want to put up with because you love that person to the point of, Lord, no matter what they do or how they do it, I'm going to still love them. So this is what I'm telling you today. Everybody in this room have issues. We have things that we should not be doing, and we have things that we can do better. But you have a choice whether or not you want to do it better. So I'm going to tell you this. Don't go jump into a marriage because you get a ring and you're going to have a, a wedding and everybody's going to see you looking good because after all of that is said and done, when you come together, oh my goodness, you better get to know Jesus because things begin to happen in your life that you never thought would happen. And you begin to say things and things that you have packed away and tucked away that you thought you wouldn't say no more. All of a sudden, they come out the woodwork and they come out of your mouth like a fire. And that husband say, oh, no, I didn't know that you were like this. So this is what I'm saying. Get to know God's love. The more you know God's love, God's love will heal. It will deliver. It will set the captives free. Let God deal with you before you deal with others. When you point your finger at somebody else, guess what? It's pointing right back at you. So be careful what you say and how you say it. You know what you're going to say before you say it. Because you got to think about it. But some of us really don't have to think because we got it rooted in us. So when somebody says something that ain't right, that anger that you had down there, it comes out quickly. And then you end up saying what was already there. That's not what love does. All through the Bible, we see God's love. The people never, seldomly done what God told them to do, but God still loved them. God still loved them. He still showed long-suffering and kindness. So know today that God is love, and he wants us to love one another. Amen? So go back over this teaching. Go back over the love of God and ask God to show you you before you end up pointing your fingers at somebody else if you haven't walked in their shoes if you don't know what they're going through it's easy to say stuff but when you say it out of the flesh it ain't good when you begin to speak out of the spirit you know it's God speaking to that situation and it's not you everybody has situations so if you're not speaking according to the word you shouldn't speak at all don't tell nobody how to raise a child and you ain't never had one some people are easy to say how to raise a child and never had children in their house 24-7. It is easy for you to tell people to put them out. Don't let them back in the house, and you ain't never had them in the house. So you can't miss nothing you never had. It is easy for people to, to, to look down on children because they ain't never had children. 
I'm telling you, y'all, you got people looking down on children, won't give them the time of the day, saying lock them up, saying kill them. But some people treat animals better than they treat children because that's their family. Come on, I love my little Joe. <laughs> I do. And when Joe get wrong, Joe going to get it just like anybody else. And nobody going to put my little Jojo outside. <laughs> but we're supposed to show the love of God. We're supposed to be well-rounded in everything that we do, y'all. So be careful what you say. When you got a child and you holding that child and the child is a baby, you got control over that child. You can't tell somebody else that's got a teenager, you know, beat them, put them out, let the Lord get them, because you're still holding yours in your arms. When that child begin to grow up, you're going to remember what you told somebody else, and then you're going to begin to humble yourself and say, now I know what they were going through. Now I know why they said what they said. Don't be quick to tell somebody something when you're not in that situation. That's why I'm so careful when it comes to other people's children. I'm so careful. I don't say they bad, they're going to get locked up, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Because guess what? I got children too. I'm not going to put my children on a pedestal and put somebody else down. No, because you never know what your children to do. I don't care how godly your home is. Your children intermix with other people. Those people can make them change. That don't mean you're not good parents. People look at the parents and say, oh, it's coming out of that home. When you know you raised a good child, you know what the word of God is going to say. They may depart from it, but they're going to come back to it. So you're going to stick to that. So when somebody's talking about your children, you begin to say, God's got a plan for my child outside of what they're doing. He knows their plan and he knows their purpose. Not only your child but somebody else's child as well. Because he who have not sinned, let them cast the first stone. We're supposed to lift them up, not tear them down. Y'all, all of us in this room got some repenting to do from this pulpit down because the Lord just showed me an image of a son. <laughs> he reminded me of something. See, God will remind you of something. He even gave me a picture of someone. And sometimes just a little thing that we say can have an effect on that person to make that person not change. And that's why we're supposed to be careful with what we say. Even if the person is still doing wrong, we're supposed to speak good over that person. We don't supposed to be trying to put our kids over nobody else because our kids, they are subject to change. They got hidden agendas just like everybody else, but it ain't come out the woodwork yet. And don't say, I can't believe you done that. Believe it. They are in the world, but they don't supposed to be of the world. But that don't mean they're going to do what the world does. Whomever you associate with is whom you become. So we have to be careful, y'all, with our words. Our words have power. Amen. But there's a time in our life that we stand. Do, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. If I tell my children, you're not bringing that mess in my house, but I let my friend's children bring it in the house, you're a hypocrite. That's why some children get out of the way. Because we'll tell them one thing, and we'll let family members do another in our house. Correct your house. Quit telling your kids what they can't do, and you let somebody come in your house and do it. 
That's not right. That don't line up. I believe somebody need to hear that today. Because you like your friends so much and you don't want to lose your friendship, you'd rather think that your kids will understand. No, that ain't understandable. Those are your children. And you're raising them up the right way. And what you're doing, you planting the seed of rejection. You planting the seed of rebellion. You planting the seed of anger. And whatever you do, don't you tell one child what they can't do and you let another child do it and you say it's okay because they make straight A's. I don't care if the other child make double D's. It's supposed to be the same. You don't grade, you don't grade like that. Just because you made A's don't mean you're going to bring a man in my house. Just because, no, just because you work don't mean you're going to do this. It's supposed to be the same, y'all. You set a standard. This is why kids get mad at parents because you favoring this one more than you favoring this one. You don't do that. Right is right and wrong is wrong. Amen. Because kids watch you. Well, you let this one do that, mama. And then we try to explain. This is why I let them do that because you hard-headed. You stubborn. No excuse. So let's watch what we do and watch what we say around our children. Because God's love does not change, y'all. Because God is love. Amen. Let's give him a hand clap of praise. And whether or not you want to come to this altar or not, we have heard the word of God. And all of us in this place got some areas that we need to deal with that we haven't dealt with. Amen. So I give God glory, honor, and praise for the message that have went forth on today. And I pray that this message that have went forth today, it gets rooted and grounded in your heart, that you will be able to see you before you see anybody else. Amen. We give God glory. Um, 